0: I'd like to continue this evening with a study we started this morning. Didn't make it all the way through. It's in Second Kings chapter 25. And this is where Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had been in bondage. And God sent a, uh, another king, and uh, Jehoiakim was, was freed from, uh, from bondage. It said this king spoke kindly to Jehoiakim. He said he set him uh, up on a throne... He changed his prison garments. He gave him food, gave him allowance every day. So this is certainly a picture of us. I didn't see it for many years, but a picture of us as we were in these uh, same conditions. So let me read that in verses 27 through 30. It says, And it came to pass in the seventh and thirteenth year of captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, In the twelfth month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, that Evil muradoc king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did liberate or free Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. And he spoke kindly to him and set his throne above the, the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon and changed his prison garments. And he did eat his food regularly before him all the days of his life. And his allowance was a regular allowance or continual allowance given him by the king a daily rate for every day, all the days of his life. So, so many things in there, but such a perfect picture of us as well. We were in these conditions as well. So this morning we spent a lot of our time talking about that we were in prison, we were in bondage, and what we were in bondage to, and it was that heavy yoke of the Mosaic Law that they put on men's shoulders, what we were in bondage to. And uh, the Lord sent a king to free Jehoiakim, and he also sent a king to free us. And that was uh, our king priest, Jesus Christ, came and shed his blood to, to free us. And then it says he spoke kindly. This king spoke kindly to Jehoiakim. And we saw some words, uh, well, even in the Lord's Prayer this morning, words that spoke kindly and uh, and peaceable and brings joy to us. So this evening I'd like to start where it says uh, uh, in verse 28... And he spoke kindly to him and set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon. Now that, for a long time, I couldn't really understand that. So Jehoiakim set him uh, on a throne and think, well, you know, we're, we're not kings. What does that, how does that fit us? Let's go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. 1 Peter Chapter 2, and uh, verse 4, starting verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also, as living stones, build up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ, So that's what the the priesthood did. They offered up acceptable sacrifices to God. He's made us a holy priesthood, but to offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God. We offer the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But now go over to verse 9. It says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And holy nation, a people of his own, that you should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness and to his marvelous light. So he's called us out of darkness and to the light. I think we read that this morning. Out from under bondage. But it says it says, you are a chosen generation, a rural priesthood. See, we have a priesthood, but the royalty has to do with the kingship, the the lineage of a king. So he says, it may be a, a, not just a priesthood, and offer up spiritual sacrifices, but a royal priesthood. And uh, so our lesson talked about taking Jehoiakim and setting him up on a throne. And this talks about making us uh, a, a, a genera- chosen uh, generation of royalty in the priesthood. So he takes us from one place and puts it in another. And I want to read in Psalms 113 a beautiful picture of this, taking us from one place where we were and setting us up on these thrones. Uh, let see, Psalms 113. Of course, we will know that it's the Lord that does this. Psalms 113 and verse 7. He, speaking of the Lord, He raises up the poor... Out of the dust, and lift the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. So here it shows he takes us out of the dunghill and sets us with princes. That's a royalty. That's that's the kingship. That's the throne. And we can see he did this for uh, again. I like to see the movement from the dunghill to thrones. And we see this in Philippians chapter 3, certainly what he did for the Apostle Paul. He's certainly a movement from one place to another, about as far as you can move, I suppose. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. We want to see when Paul was in the dunghill, when he was poor and needy, so to speak. And uh, Philippians 3 and... Uh, well, let's start in verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And in verse 4, he tells us about his, uh, his previous beliefs and so forth. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath reason for which he might trust in the flesh, I am he said, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So this is where he was. This is when he was in the dunghill, trusting the flesh in himself. And then in verse 6, uh, well, verse 7 but those things were, that, uh, but those things were gained to me; those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but refuge or dung. See, that's where in Psalms he raises from the dung hill up to set with princes. And that's what Paul said. Okay, this is where I was. Oh, I was a Pharisee, touching the law, blameless. If anybody had a reason to brag, I did. That's where I was. But now that Christ had been revealed to him, what did he say? Now that was actually refuge. That was dung. That was the, the dunghill. He said that I may win Christ. And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. But that which through the faith of Christ, the righteous which is of God, by faith. So I don't think you could have any more of a swing. He was the chief enemy of the church, I believe. Most self-righteous that there was. Wanting to stomp out that doctrine. Wanting to have all those put in prison and killed that were following Christ, that were not following the letter of the law, or not trusting in the letter of the law, I should say, maybe to being one of them, that he trusted in Christ. No longer looked to the letter of the law. Used to, he did. All this was very valuable to him. But now, I just count that as done. So the Lord took him from the dunghill and set him in the priesthood of the church, among princes, so to speak. So, uh, again, but again, we see it's the Lord. It's the Lord that does that moving, choosing and moving as it so pleases him. And then in our uh, text, in uh, the next verse, 29, uh, and changed his prison garments. Changed his prison garments. When we were in prison, when we were in bondage, we had a different garment. And we say, well, what garment was it? Well, I think it was a garment that was against the law. It was a, Bill, it was a mixed garment. It was a blended garment. It wasn't one material. It was a blended garment. That's what we had. And uh, let's, let's go read that. And I think we have time. Leviticus chapter 19. Uh, talk about some, but haven't. I uh, read it for forever just to show that, yeah, it is in there. Leviticus chapter 19 uh, and verse, uh, let's see, my right place, 19 and 15. Says, You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the persons of the poor, nor honor the persons of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among the people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt not surely, or thou shalt surely rebuke thy neighbor and not allow sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor thyself. I am the Lord. You shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow the field with mixed seed, neither shall a garment mixed or mingled, of linen and wool come upon thee. They were not to wear a garment that was mixed. You could wear either linen, you could wear wool, you could wear different things, but you couldn't wear a mingled mix. It had to be 100% something. And for years and years and years, I didn't understand what it meant, but I've told you, garment is a covering. And well, let me just say it this way. Whenever we was under the law, whenever we was under bondage, we were clothed with the blood of Christ and the works of the law. That's what you see so much. Those that come down from uh, uh, Jerusalem to teach us at Antioch, that's what they would clothe them. They believed in Jesus Christ, but you still got to keep the law of Moses to be saved. So they had a mixed covering. We're not to have a mixed covering. Did God, when He clothed Adam and Eve, was it a mixed or mingled material? No. He clothed them with animal skins, and there was bloodshed for that as well. So, one covering, not not a mixed covering, not law and grace, one covering. A couple scriptures in Isaiah. Isaiah 61 talks about a covering. Isaiah 61 and verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. So he, who closes? He does. He closes with the garments of salvation and with robe of righteousness. And that's not, that's not a mixed garment. What is that covering? Well, it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. But now, let's suppose we try to cover ourselves with our own righteousness, as uh, again, those... That came down from Jerusalem, down to Antioch. They said, uh, Yeah, we believe in Christ, but you got to keep the Mosaic law to be saved as well. That's, well, first of all, that's a mixed garment. But how, uh, how good of a covering is that if we try to clothe ourselves? Well, Isaiah 64 and 6, a very familiar scripture. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are filthy rags. So our righteousness are as filthy rags. But we read in, in uh, verse 10 of 61, he hath clothed us with garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. And those robes of righteousness are not our righteousness because it is just as filthy rags. So he, uh, Jehoiakim, when he freed him from prison, he gave him... He took off his prison garments and gave him different garments. So does the Lord as ours. Takes off our self-righteousness with his filthy rags and shows us that he clothes us with the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness. In our text, it also says in that verse 29, and changed his prison garments. It says, and he did eat his food regularly or eat his bread continually. Before him, all the days of his life. So here he was, had been put in prison 37 years. And now God sent this king to free him from prison. And then he says, you're going to eat at my table now. What's that remind you of? Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9, back before Kings here. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I don't mention this often, but it's a, we see one eating at the king's table here. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I'm going I'm to read a few verses here. It's a wonderful uh, account of, and, and picture as well. 2 Samuel 9, let's go to verse 1. And David said, Is there any who is left of the house of Saul? that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there uh, not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son who is lame on his feet. So we would say that he's, uh, well, don't use the word cripple too much, but he has a disability, but he's lame on his feet. And nowadays, you know, we have a lot of things, don't we? Somebody's lame on their feet. They can go and uh, they can work jobs, I guess, uh, on computer and, and work remote and all kind of things, but wasn't that back then, was it? So he was uh, uh, lame on his feet. Verse 4, And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Makor, the son of Emiel, in Lodibar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Makor, the son of Emil, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did obeisance. And David said, saith." and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness. Remember the king this morning, or well, today and this morning, Jehoiakim, that king that freed him from that prison, said he spoke kindly to him. So now here we have another king from saith. And in verse 7, and David said, Fear not, I will surely show thee kindness. For Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, uh, thy father, uh, and thou shalt eat at my table continually. Jehoiakim was eating at the king's table. Here Mephibosheth was going to eat at the king's table. Uh, And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldst look upon such a dead dog as I? Don't we feel that way? We see, and again, this is not the only true church. I've never said that. I don't imply that. I don't believe that. But there are many false churches out there, as there was in the Lord's time. But as I look at myself, why would he... And I I pray, buddy. I pray for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. But I'm grateful for what he has given me. But I see people on television, with means. They've reached millions and millions of people, but they're teaching falsehood. Yet, he's given us the truth here. But he says, What is thy servant that thou shalt look upon a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertains to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shalt till the land for him and shalt bring in the fruits uh, that thy master's sons may have uh, food to eat. But Mephibosheth, Thy master's son shall eat always at my table. Now Ziba had uh, 15 sons and, and, and 20 uh, servants. So he said, He told his, the king told his servant, Go out, till the land for him. That's also a beautiful picture of us. We could study this book, spend all every inch of time that we have, or every second time we have, and and we couldn't bear any fruit. But he has sent his servant, the comforter, that tills the ground for us, reveals it uh, to us. Uh, And then he says... uh, of course, this servant was going to till the ground for him, and the fruit was going to be added to Bephyrius's account. In the same way, the Lord sending, he, he he gives us life, he opens our eyes, he sends us the Comforter, and the fruit that we may be, that we might bear is added to our account. But we don't deserve the honor and glory. One day, though, we'll cast it at his feet in glory. Verse eleven. Uh, then said Zebed to the king, according to all that the Lord uh, hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And in verse 13, Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually regularly at the king's table, and he was lame on both his feet. That's certainly a picture of us. So, Jehoiakim, the Lord sent a king to free him from the prison bondage. And then he caused him to to sit at the king's table. So he had food continually. He had food regularly. Well, what about us? I guess I haven't skipped too many meals on the physical plane. But what about us? Has he given us food? You say, well, we all have plenty to eat and everything. What kind of food, what kind of a diet does he, does he give his servants? What kind of food does he give? John chapter six, Gospel of John chapter six. John 6 and uh, verse 31. Today, I had, went to uh, Slim Chickens for lunch today. The uh, second time I've eaten there, and it's it pretty good. Do you think that's the, the food the Lord's going to give us? Well, let's, let's look and see about the food. Verse 31 of John 6. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. So the manna wasn't the true bread from heaven. It was a type and shadow. Just like the law says the law was a type and shadow. The law of Moses was a type and shadow. It wasn't a real thing. The tabernacle, it says the tabernacle was only a type and shadow. It wasn't a real thing. Jesus was the true tabernacle. The same thing about the food here. Uh, 32 again. Uh, then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who cometh down from heaven and giveth life, Unto the world, then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life; he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Who calls us to come to the Lord? Who calls us to to believe? Well, it's God that draws us unto Him. So here He says, I am the true bread that God sent down from heaven. Our first two pastors here served us this bread from the king's table. They didn't manufacture or create the food, but they served the food from the king's table. And we partake and we eat. Uh, Jehoiakim ate at the king's table. Mephibosheth ate at the king's table. And we, as undeserving as I am, eat at the king's table. He provides the food for us. So then, and this may get a little off my lesson, but I'll go ahead and mention it anyway. So then, are we to share this food? I know... A lot of organizations, they have soup kitchens and they have canned food and give all this physical food away and everything. Is that, and we don't do that. Is that what we're to do? Uh, James chapter 2. And we are to feed, don't get me wrong, but what food do we give? Uh, Let's see, James. chapter 2 and verse 14 what does it profit my brethren though a man say he hath faith and, and, and uh, have not works can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food let me stop there for a minute so if we see one that's naked we're not talking about physical nakedness, are we? We're talking about they have no covering for their sin. They have not acceptable covering for them. And we know a lot of people like that. I I've I mentioned so many times. that <laughs> Betty used to be your neighbor. She said, "Used to, I never doubted my salvation, but now I do." She didn't. She wasn't aware of a covering for her sins. She was naked, not physically. But she was naked. And again, my answer at that time was there's only one reason you would doubt your salvation. She had a whole bunch of reasons. She didn't tell me all of them, but this list of all the things why she doubted her salvation. I don't know what they all were, but you can imagine. And I said, But there's only one reason we would ever doubt our salvation. I said, That's because we're not believing or trusting in Christ, and He has shed blood. If we're trusting in Christ, there's no chance that we would lose our salvation. So so if we see one, and I need prayers for that as well. I'm not very aggressive on talking to people about the Scriptures. When the Lord uh, creates the occasion, you know, I do, but uh, I'm not real satisfied in in myself in uh, in that area. But anyway, uh, in verse 15, if a brother or sister be naked... And destitute of daily food. Well, we talk about the nakedness, but what about the food? We give them. What is the true? What is the true bread? Jesus Christ. That's what we give them. But as, as you mentioned earlier, we can simplify. We can talk a lot about the scriptures, and we should. And we can simplify, it saying, "I determine not to know anything among you, but Jesus Christ, and Him crucified." That's the bread that we give them. That's the true bread. Jesus Christ. That's the true bread. And that we are to give. Uh, We know when our Lord was tempted and Satan said, you know, turn this uh, stone into bread. And the Lord said, man doesn't live by bread alone. It's, It's not the physical bread and everything but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's the bread. And that's what we give, the word of God. That's what we're to give. That's what we're to eat. That's, well, that's what he has caused us to sit at the king's table and eat, the word of God. And that's what we're to give. When we see someone destitute, without food, without a covering, that's what we're to give them. I don't think we're to go out knocking on doors, if you do, I'm not saying it's wrong. I I, I just haven't. But the Lord occasionally will uh, create an occasion. And uh, we see that they are naked and destitute of food. But that's what we're to give them. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Uh, so then, uh, in our text, I won't go back there, but not only did he eat at the king's table but said he uh, he ate all the days of his life never without end do you think that our king our priest our shepherd will ever let his sheep lack for food won't lack for food or clothing I'm not talking about physical again. So he sent a king to free Jehoiakim from prison. He spoke kindly to him. And he ate at the king's table all the days of his life, never going to be without. And the same with us. He sent a king to free us, Jesus Christ brought us to a place where we were served the bread, the word of God. And uh, so again, our king, our priest, our shepherd, his sheep's never going to lack. Now we might not be satisfied sometimes. We may want this, we want that, or we may want more. But he knows what we need and we will not lack. And, And such a familiar scripture, I want to read it. Psalms 23. I think is a wonderful picture of that. Of the Lord's sheep. And they're not going to lack. And I know most of you can quote it, but I love looking at it and actually filling the pages and the paper and, and everything. But... Uh, Psalms 23. Now think of this. This is a shepherd... Taking care of sheep, are they gonna lack? Are, are they gonna lack anything? Verse 1: The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Green pastures, beside the still waters, he makes them lay down. They have peace there. They're not worried about wolves chasing them. They lay down in this green pasture full of food, plenty of food, plenty of comfort, plenty of security. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and certainly He has you and I, and lead me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. We talked about that righteousness. He leads us in those path and he clothes us with righteousness. He calls us to see that our righteousness are filthy rags. Verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley out of the shadow of death, and we do that, don't we? We walk through the valley, of the shadow of death, and a physical thing, but, but all of the things that are around us and that are taught, and all the false teachings. Yea, though I walk through the valley, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. So the rod and the staff is something that the shepherd uses. And he can use it, yell yeah, to fight off the wolves and things the shepherd could. But his sheep finds comfort in that protection the shepherd with his rod and his staff. Verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And certainly, we're, uh, uh, there are plenty enemies to the truth. I've mentioned many times. And again, we're not the only true church. But he prepared a table for us in the presence of the enemies. They don't have the same table. And again, I'm not... There are other true churches out there, beloved. I'm not saying they're not. But yet, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. The Lord's sheep will never lack. And, buddy, sometimes we try to find words of how much we love the Lord and how thankful we are, and and we fall short. And and Brother Walter Norris was preaching one time at a conference, and he was trying to do the same thing, and he just says, my cup runneth over, and what a wonderful way to say it. And then it says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that's where he placed us. He makes us lie down green pastures. We dwell in the house of the Lord. We sit at the king's table with our lame feet, not capable of doing anything. And his servant tills the ground for us and adds it to our account, as undeserving as we are. Uh, So, I was going to read And maybe I won't. or or, No, I think I did. Yeah, I did read that. Mephibosheth. Yeah, we read about Mephibosheth. He set the king's table, and his servant, uh, the king commanded the servant, till the ground for Mephibosheth, and uh, the ground brought forth fruit was added his account. In the same way, he sets us at the king's table, and through the leadership of the comforter, Tills the ground for us. Calls us to bear fruit. And it's added to our account. As undeserving as we are. But there'll be one day in glory, we'll, we'll cast these crowns at his feet. And we should be doing that now. Giving him honor and glory that, that he deserves, All this, not us, certainly. Uh, so he eat at the king's table. And then... Uh, It says that he uh, got his daily allowance. It said there, Jehoiakim, got a daily allowance there. Didn't give him everything at once. And even in our prayer, the example prayer, the Lord said what? Give us this day, our daily bread. We can ask today for something that we may not need today. Give us this day. And, and that, changed, that changed me a lot. Whenever we studied that example prayer, it's been several years ago now, and, and it really changed myself, my prayer life a lot. Lord, give me this day. Give me this day. And what do we need? What do we need for this day? Really, if he just calls us to look to him, that uh, he's in control of all things, uh, then... We have peace. Uh, and then another scripture. Oh, I don't think I'll go to it. But the uh, Good Samaritan is, a, is another wonderful picture of this. We see one alongside of the road, half dead, been robbed and everything. Just like uh, uh, Jehoiakim, who had been in prison. So this one's alongside long side of the road, naked. Destined. And the priest came along, and the Levite came along. They just went on the other side of the road. There was no help. The law was no good for them. The law had, was no help for this one. And then the Lord came along, this good Samaritan, and uh, bound up his wounds and everything, put him on his beast, took him to an inn. And there, all of his needs was taken care of. Food, clothing, shelter, security. And then he also said, well, I'm going to leave, but you take care of him. While, While I'm going, I'm coming back. So, the Lord takes his sheep to his inn. Let me say his true churches. And there they're provided for. There they're given the true bread from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. There they're given the, a beautiful covering, not mixed, but a, a righteous uh, robes of righteousness, or uh, garments of salvation, robes of righteousness are placed on them. And they'll be taken care of all the days of their life that they're there. They'll never lack for anything. So that's a picture of the Lord taking care of his sheep. Psalms 23 is a picture of the Lord taking care of his sheep. And our, our text is a picture of the Lord taking care of his sheep. And let me close by reading our text again in, in 2 Kings. And as we read this time, hopefully we'll see things that we didn't see before we looked at this. Let me read it again, 2 Kings 25 and verse 27. And it came to pass in the 7th and 13th year of captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 7th uh, and 20th day of the month, that Evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did liberate Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. And he spoke kindly to him and set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon and changed his prison garments. And he did eat his food regularly or bread continually before him all the days of his life. And his allowance was a regular, continual allowance given him by the king, a daily rate for every day. All the days of his life. What a beautiful picture is what the Lord has done for us. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.